Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investments, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I support a growing community of top climate and ESG leaders as the Chief Experience Officer at Nations Wealth, and I'm an advisor to the climate practice at IDEO. I'm also an investor and startup advisor, and when it comes to climate action, I know I'll be a lifelong learner always looking to have more impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Sign up for updates and suggest ideas for future episodes at investedinclimate.com. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Thanks for joining. We talk about waste management, and that's an oxymoron. It's just burned or buried. There's not been a lot of advent or innovation in there. So what we're really focused on is this waste industry that accounts for roughly 20% of all global methane emissions and 3.3% of all global greenhouse gas emissions. Trying to really tackle this with a nature-based solution that has a proven track record of cleaning the earth without a man-made intervention. Hey everyone, today we're going to talk mushrooms. Much more than a delicious pizza topping, fungi can be useful in many different ways and it might even play a heroic role in addressing climate change. How might mushrooms help? Let's count some of the ways. They of course can be eaten and help reduce our dependence on animal protein. They can replace animal-based leather, sequester carbon, serve as a biofuel, improve soil health and thereby reduce our need for fertilizers. They can accelerate reforestation, create an alternative to petroleum-based plastics and packaging, and finally, they can help break down and absorb pollutants. This last use case is called bioremediation, and it's the focus of the startup MicroCycle, a company that's making impressive progress using mushrooms to clean up waste. Today, we're joined by MicroCycle founder and CEO, Joanne Rodriguez, as well as one of her investors, Ryan Jeffrey. Senior Managing Director at the venture firm and accelerator, Generator. We talk about the opportunity to transform the waste management sector, how fungi can help, MicroCycle's traction, Generator's investment thesis, and how they've helped Joanne's journey, and much, much more. Hope you enjoy this one, mushroom jokes and all. Here we go. Joanne and Ryan, welcome to Invested in Climate. So great to have you both here today. Great to be here, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Great to be here. Where do I have you both dialing in from? I am dialing in from Bolingbrook, Illinois, which is a southwest suburb of Chicago. Fantastic. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm not too far from Joanne. A little bit north, east of her, though, in Evanston, Illinois. So just north of Chicago, where Northwestern University is. Fantastic. Well, you're both in my hometown, so glad to be reconnected to some Chicagoans. And excited for this conversation, excited to hear about some of the great things that are happening in and around Chicago related to climate tech. Let's get started by hearing just a bit about each of you, as I'd love to learn about your backgrounds and how you came to the roles that you're playing today. Joanne, will you go first and kick us off? Yeah, sure. I spent the last 30 years working in construction products and materials manufacturing and in my previous role as a director of sustainable and strategic initiatives, 
I was responsible for developing strategies around zero waste and low carbon materials. A little bit of my background that is leading me into a climate tech startup. I decided to leave corporate America in 2017 and make some investments in myself. And so I've made a commitment to fight this climate battle. Fantastic. Thanks, Joanne. Ryan, what about you? I've been on both sides of the table, actually. So I started off as an investor at a $200 million fund here in Chicago. And then over the last 10 years, helped start three different tech companies, some success, more failure, but learned more from the failure than from the success. And was fortunate enough that my last company, my last startup was acquired right at the start of the pandemic in April of 2020. And I took some time off after that. I had my first kid, knew that I wanted to focus the rest of my career the rest of my life, what I think is the biggest challenge we face, which is climate change. And so learned as much as I possibly could about the space. I'm still on that learning journey and started to support some early entrepreneurs that were working at the forefront of our environmental and climate crisis and realized that a lot of the lessons that I had learned as both an investor and a founder were true in the climate space as they were in any other space. I just started to dip my toe in and started to get more involved and happened to have a conversation with the partners at Generator two summers ago, where I said, hey, if you ever do any cohorts or any investing around sustainability or climate, let me know because I'd love to get involved and co-invest or support and mentor. And they came back a couple of weeks later and said, hey, we want to do something in this space. We understand the urgency of it, but if we're going to do it, we want you to lead it. So here I am. I'm now leading all sustainability-focused investments and programs that we have on climate and sustainability overall. So excited to be here and been in this role now for about a year and a half, helping to support and work with some of the best founders working on solutions in climate. That's great. I love how you say that you learn more from the failures than from the successes. Mm-hmm. Tell us more a bit, though, about Generator. We'll turn our sights to talk a lot about Joanne's company, but would love to get a sense of the firm that you're at. Certainly. So we're a 10-year-old fund and accelerator. I used to joke that we're probably one of the biggest accelerators that most people hadn't heard of until TechCrunch came out with that exact headline late last year. So we've been around, again, for the last 10 years, have supported and invested over 1,000 startups during that time that have gone on to raise now over $1.4 billion in follow-on funding. So we have a number of different programs that we run across the country and now across the world. Our mission is to support and to invest and to be the best partner for a community, really to invest in its best and brightest. And we feel like we can't do that if there's no communities that exist due to the changing climate. We're really doubling down and focused on providing resources and support and now several programs focused on sustainability and climate here at Generator to invest in early stage founders that are addressing this challenge that we face overall. So we feel like our platform, the last 10 years of investing and supporting early stage technology companies really suits and really helps to support where we think there's going to be one of the biggest business opportunities of any generation, which is in climate and sustainability overall. Great. Thank you for that background, Ryan, and glad to know that you are no longer the largest accelerator that no one's heard of, but increasingly <laughs> people are, are hearing about you. Okay, it's time to talk fungi. Joanne, kick us off and tell us about MycoCycle. What's the problem you're aiming to solve and what's the approach your company is taking? At MycoCycle, we train mushrooms to eat trash and create renewable bio-based raw materials. So the problem we're solving is too much waste and too many chemicals and not enough room and too much issue with climate emissions. I'm oversimplifying this, but in my role in, in corporate life, I just discovered the cost of waste mismanagement. And we talk about waste management and that's an oxymoron. It's just burned or buried. 
There's not been a lot of advent or innovation in there. And a lot of the reasons why we don't see recycling programs at a very base level succeed is because there's no end use value, right? We're asking somebody to do something that might take an extra step. There's no win in it other than potentially to save the planet. So what we're really focused on is this waste industry that accounts for roughly 20% of all global methane emissions and 3.3% of all global greenhouse gas emissions. Trying to really tackle this with a nature-based solution that has a proven track record of cleaning the earth without a man-made intervention. So fungi is the core of our technology and we know that it can clean and remediate toxins but we're also working and partnering with the fungi to transform materials into new uses. So transforming waste to value. And we could really start to enter into this construction industry or the built environment, which has got significant greenhouse gas emissions. That total market opportunity is over $14 trillion every year. We're building cities the size of New York and Paris every month for the next 40 years because of globalization. And so we feel we need to realize a transition that reduces greenhouse gases, moves waste materials that we've already resource extracted out of waste management, so burning or bearing, and create value implementing nature, which has already shown its muscle in doing this for decades, centuries, evolutions without us. Tell us more about how you're doing it. I think you've made a really strong case for the importance of it, but let's hear a bit about the novel and unique process that you're using to really leverage the power of fungi and nature to break down waste. Absolutely. So uh, MicroCycle's patent pending process takes approximately two weeks, which is an improvement over the last six months. Uh, when we first started the company launching in 2020, we were at four to six weeks. Now we're down to 10 to 14 days, which is really cool. We kick off our three-step process at the point of waste generation. So one of our value propositions is decentralizing waste management. We have the ability to take the show on the road and go to where the waste is generated and really impact the greenhouse gases in the industry by reducing the need to have it transported. We take in materials that are size reduced. We do look for size reduction because if there's toxins in there that we want to clean up, the mycelium, which is the root structure of the fungi, can only process what it can get to. So we blend these materials with our treatments that we grow and develop, lab-cultivated fungi. We allow it to incubate over 7 to 14 days, and then we harvest it. We stop the growth, and what results is a new low-carbon raw material that are ideal for the manufacturing of acoustic tile, concrete, flooring, walls, and insulation. So we're really able to get at treating the ceilings above us, the floors beneath us, the walls around us, the roofs over our head, and turn it back into those materials, seeing a very virtuous cycle within the built environment space. So I'm trying to picture this, a bunch of discarded building materials. You bring the show on the road, as you said, as you show up, you bring your lab cultivated fungi, you put it on top, and then out comes what exactly? What are we left with? It's probably more commonly known as a mycelium composite material. There are companies that have been generating mycelium composites probably over the last decade, primarily coming from hemp or other agricultural inputs. 
to replace plastics. One of the most notable or forefront companies doing this is Ecovative. They have a biocompostable packaging material. They've since done a bit of a pivot into bacon. There's a lot of precedence for alt proteins coming from mycelium. But back to the material side, we're working in a similar fashion as them to create this composite material that's made up of the waste, which is now clean, and the mycelium. And we're able to grind it, shred it, or manipulate it into forms to meet the needs of manufacturers. For your business, you actually get paid to come and clean up the waste. And then the byproduct that you're left with, you're then able to turn around to sell to others who can use it in a new production or industrial process. 100%. Isn't it great? That's amazing. (laughs) We could be green and make money on it. People would argue, and Ryan has known this, in the last year of my growth, that there have been strong arguments about the complexity of our go-to-market strategy. And we're running a two-sided business platform. And guess what? If I can get paid to do it on both sides, I'm going to. We need to incentivize companies. We can overcome cost parities as a result. For every dollar we could get to treat a ton of waste, we could get three to five times that in licensing deals and resale of raw materials. We're looking at replacements of raw materials that go into products with large multi-billion dollar multi-global corporations that sell at roughly twelve to $1,500 a ton. So it's a very good place for us to be in where we can not only have a great reduction of carbon as a result of our process, but we can show a nice profit and a nice revenue picture for the future as we grow. Thanks, Joanne. Ryan, this is a great point to come back to you and really hear how you see this opportunity from an investor's lens. You're an investor in MicroCycle. Tell us why you decided to back the company. Joanne laid it out in a lot of ways there in terms of the opportunity and I think what we see overall with the business. I think, you know, take a step back, what we look at first and foremost, we're investing oftentimes at an earlier stage and oftentimes what matters most is the founder and the team. We fell in love with Joanne and what she was working on really quickly in the process. And just to give a little bit of sort of background on how we select and work with the companies that we invest in, we had a probably a six-month recruiting process to go out and find startups at the forefront of our environmental and climate crisis across industries of energy, transportation, mobility, food, land use, carbon, industrial overall. We had over 500 applications for our spring program last year, our inaugural program focused on sustainability of which Joanne and MicroCycle were a part of. And we go through a pretty extensive diligence process to weed out those 500 applications into the top five that we select for our program. So we're really selective on purpose. The small cohort size allows us to be much more hands-on and impactful, but means that we're making a much harder decision when it comes down to the top 20 or 30 finalists to decide which ones we want to work with. And I think getting to know Joanne, getting to know there's very clearly founder market fit there. Joanne has extensive experience working in this industry, in this space. She comes from a corporate background. The types of people that she's selling to now, that was her role in the past, right? And so in a lot of ways, she experienced and saw this problem firsthand and wanted to do something about it. And I think that's what that's what we look at first. I mean, obviously, we're investing in companies when we look at those that we select, we want them to be climate positive, meaning they exist because of climate change and doing the most to solve, mitigate, or remove emissions from the atmosphere and help solve our climate crisis. We're also looking at companies that we think can be massively scalable. And I think when we looked at MycoCycle, there's just so much opportunity 
in this space, in this bioremediation space. And we felt like the opportunity, the technology, what she had built so far, the traction that she had was a clear indicator that, and the fact that we felt like we could help and that Joanne was coachable and really eager to learn. And, and that's something that we take pride in in our accelerator and our program. And so we were really excited to work with Joanne and have her part of our cohort last spring. When people hear about fungi, most probably think about the mushrooms that we eat. They don't think about the industrial applications, the commercial potential, or the many ways that fungi can actually help address climate change. I'd love to hear your thoughts on fungi's role in battling climate change. And again, from an investor's lens, where you see the greatest opportunity. I'm not a fungi expert. I'm not a scientist. I've got a couple good fungi jokes that I could tell for another podcast, but that's about it. I think <laughs> what we really care about is we look at sort of the diligence of the company and where the company is going. Again, we want to see that there is a market here and that there's an opportunity to grow a business that we think can have pretty massive impact in our climate and the fight that we have against climate change. We're bullish on a lot of different areas across sort of the climate spectrum in terms of fungi in particular. Obviously, I'm biased, but I think in the bioremediation space and what Joanne is doing, I think that's where we're most eager to see the impact overall. It's probably because of our close proximity to MycoCycle and seeing the demand from the customer from a B2B perspective. I think one of the things that we also look at when we make investment decisions is systems level change, right? We want to see that the company that we're investing in is going to have systemic change across an entire industry. And we believe that in this space and sort of the waste management space, it just hasn't been innovated on in the last hundred years, right? Last thousand years, right? And I think diverting waste from landfill and then being able to reuse that, come up with material that can be resold and reused, it's a win on both ends of that. And so we're really excited about that space in particular. But as you mentioned, I think there's a lot of really interesting space overall in sort of the nature-based solutions to climate change. And I think fungi can have a really important role in that. Thanks, Ryan. Joanne, back to you. I know that you are surrounded by other fungi entrepreneurs and you're part of all sorts of networks of entrepreneurs working with fungi to address climate change. I'm curious about your thoughts on these other models and how bioremediation stands out and what are some of the advantages of that from a business model and application, as well as some other spaces that you think are really exciting and deserve more attention. I think that's a great question. I think we're the beneficiaries of following some technology that's already scaling. If I get one objection Time and time again, it's you can't scale biotechnology. That's simply not the truth. We brew beer, we make cheese and bread. It's a fermentation process that we're implementing. But to see how the new material producers are working, to understand in a very system level approach how they're scaling, what's worked for them. We have the benefit of being part of this shroom boom, right? Like of really being able to learn from hiccups that others have had, including leaders like Meaty Foods, like Nature's Find. I mean, they've been close colleagues of ours. We're able to call and pick brain if there's something that we don't quite understand. The key to climate change for fungal mycelium and the role fungi plays is resilience. It's regenerative, it's adaptable. It's been changing within the environments and working within ecosystems again for centuries. It's just purely nature-based. We're able to really lean in and hone the science 
of when I say we train mushrooms to eat trash, that's what we're doing. Like we're really working with them from the earliest days and replicating it and creating some quality controls. I think in terms of what we're seeing in the industry, I think that this will be a growing market. It's in the billions of dollars now. It's going to be in the double digit billions within the next two to three years, in my opinion. And you see these strong signals from companies like Mercedes, who has partnered with Michael Works. Michael Works is building one of the largest biorefineries in the world down in South Carolina to be near their facility so they can provide animal-free leather materials for Mercedes. So there's just so many strong signals that indicate that this is the direction that not only we need to go, but financially it makes sense to go. Joanne, I'd love to get deeper into just understanding what it's like to work with fungi on a daily basis and really trying to steer its natural process towards a specific outcome. What has your team been learning and what are some surprises and lessons of working with fungi and trying to steer it towards a particular goal? Well, I guess just the adaptability and the efficiency of it. It's funny. I sit here and say, okay, we're like at 7, 10, 14 days now in our process. I always talked about messaged around four weeks because these materials are going to sit in landfill for three or 400 years, right? So four weeks was just an arbitrary number that we selected. And it wasn't until we started to redesign our approach at scale on some of our scale trials and said, hey, well, what would happen if we actually tested this at two weeks <laughs> to find out that we could have been messaging around two weeks this entire time, like all of our numbers had to change. So I think that that's one of the greatest surprises and one of the lessons. And as we are working with them on a daily basis, to pay attention and see these cues, you get so close to it, sometimes you need to hone out and say, wait a minute, we could be doing this differently, or we're doing too much. Our whole goal is to let nature take its process and not put a lot of external intervention in there. And I think that that has been the surprise as well, that how well the mycelium can run through all of these materials with little or no intervention on our part. Well, congratulations on that technical achievement of surpassing even your own goals and your own talking points. Let's talk more about how that progress has come to life. I understand that you were part of a fellowship through the Department of Energy's Argonne National Labs. Tell us about that program and what it allowed you to do. Yeah, it's the uh, Chain Reactions Innovations Program. I always sit here and it's a two-year fellowship program. I look at the scientists. I'm in the sixth cohort and I look at the scientists around me and I am not PhD. I feel like some kind of grifter that worked their way into the national lab. I'm still shocked that I'm allowed to go there. I'm badged and credentialed. And what that really is allowing us to do is advance on materials that are high volume, problematic materials like rubber. Rubber is a huge issue We've been working with rubber for the last 18 to 24 months. We're scaling on SBR crumb rubber from artificial play surfaces. But working with Argon, we're really going to be able to optimize our process into bioreactors where we do large scale applications of treatments in a more efficient manner. That's going to allow us to do techno-economic analysis, lower our cost of goods, and really present a solution potentially for things that aren't crumb rubber, like maybe tires 
or other hard to dispose of products that are vulcanized or have similar composition. We know we can already reduce the toxicity of rubber by greater than 98%, which is a win. But now if we could create a completely biocompostable rubber at the hands of our treatment, that would be something really phenomenal. And that's what Argon is affording us the opportunity to do. Thanks, Joanne. In addition to the fellowship with Argonne National Labs, you of course also participate in Generator's program that Ryan described earlier. Tell us about that experience and how it helped. That was one of the most impactful accelerators I've been in. I think when you go through a founder's journey, most of us don't start having started a company before. Years of corporate don't really prepare you for this. But having the opportunity to participate in Generator specifically the sustainability focus meant a very high value to me. They brought like type investors. They brought like type subject matter experts. I was surrounded by only four other companies that were trying to carve out and build in the space and fundraise in the space. And I can say, if not for Generator, I would not have found my lead investor, my follow on investor, all the subsequent investors. That was the value that they brought to me at that point in time. It really helped me hone my skills and get sharper and and not shy away from being a climate tech, but really lean in with the facts and figures. I'll tell Ryan a hundred times a week, if he'll allow it, that I really appreciate the opportunity to have participated with Generator and to be friends with Ryan now as a result and to look at the founders in, in my cohort and those cohorts coming up and try to pay that forward and make sure that they understand that there's a space for them to build and grow. And tell us about the traction that you've gained so far. I know you've raised a couple of rounds of funding and you have pilot customers. What are some of the milestones that you've reached? One of the really cool things to come through is two of our major customers, building owners, LendLease and Meta, like Facebook Meta, have released kind of like testimonial videos or case study videos about us. This was their own doing. It, it definitely generated traction and opportunity for us. That has led us into working in advanced stages with huge manufacturers, manufacturers making gypsum wallboard, acoustic tile ceilings, fire stopping products. And essentially how and why it works is you have the likes of Meta saying to their national supplier network, these huge manufacturers, listen, if you work with MicroCycle and our waste and create a new product, we will buy it if it meets our specifications. So that has been a huge win and an accelerant for us in this arena. Great. And for anyone listening that might be curious about working with you, what types of companies are you looking to partner with right now? We are looking to partner across waste management and recycling. We love the small to mid-sized recyclers that are already handling the waste stream. We see incumbent technology obviously being a competition. It's easy to set your trash out and forget about it, but it's also the opportunity because they have a significantly sized footprint. Many of the recyclers in the sectors that we treat are facing obsolescence, so we want to give them new tools to work with. We also like working with those building owners and contractors like Meta and Lendlease. I mean, they're highly focused on the reduction of scope three emissions and innovations within their industries. And then obviously this last sector, which 
could be our first sector is the manufacturers because they need to stabilize their supply chains. And so if we can design waste out of their supply chain, think about their industrial manufacturing waste, and we can do it on site, they can go completely circular, closed loop and enter it back into new products. That's the best thing. But we feel like we need all three parts of that to develop viable supply chains where we can supply millions of tons of myceliated material from waste. Well, a circular solution certainly is the holy grail that everyone's hoping for. Tell us about the environmental impact. Have you been able to measure your process and get a real understanding yet of what you're saving in terms of carbon emissions? Yeah, so two of the manufacturers we worked with did carbon, embodied carbon tracking on the materials. And if you've done any of that work, you know that it's it's wholly dependent on what you're replacing. So we can't make blanket statements about what we can and can't do until we know what we're replacing for those two manufacturers. However, one in the acoustic space and one in the flooring space, we were carbon neutral and carbon negative to the materials we were replacing. We look very staunchly at what our energy is and what our metrics are. We're working within the GABI model of measurement of carbon emissions. We also are able to work with the EPA metrics that are out there for every ton diverted from waste management. You can save almost three metric tons of CO2 emissions. We'd like to hone in on that a little bit tighter. But if we say calcium carbonate, which is like the lowest that we could replace, right? The lowest material, but probably the highest volume. If we do what we say we're going to do within the next five years, we would reduce CO2 emissions by roughly a gigaton. And that would be both from landfill diversion as well as material replacement. Ryan, what about you? When you look ahead to MicroCycle's future, what do you see as the most important milestones and also risks for achieving the type of commercial success that you're hoping for as an investor? We're obviously really excited about what Joanne is building and the amount of traction and interest that she's been able to garner in in a short period of time. I think she's moving from this stage that we talk pretty frequently and have through the program and after, but I think she's at this stage where there's interest in what she's doing and there's interest from a lot of big companies in what she's doing. And now it's a matter of proving that her technology can scale to the degree that it needs to in order to raise the next round of funding and to garner additional contracts and additional revenue and have the impact that she can have overall. And so I think that's both an opportunity and a challenge, right? I think if she can prove that out over the next six to nine months and know that she's working, she's got working capital now, I think for the first couple of years for of the company. And we joked a lot about this during the accelerator. She was really scrappy and gritty and had to get things done with very resourceful way. And she's been fortunate that the success that she's had has garnered investor interest and successfully closed out her seed round recently. But now with that capital comes additional demands and additional opportunities, I think, to increase the impact that she can have and show that this is a really scalable business. And that's what I'm really excited about to see her prove because I know that she's going to be able to. And it's really fun to watch her on this journey. I'm curious how you expect the space to change. As Joanne mentioned, there's a shroom boom happening. (laughs) So how will the space change in the next, say, three to five years? And I'm curious what opportunity areas need more attention, gaps where you think there's more investments needed, more innovation, but also what's the competitive makeup and how will that shift? I hope more companies get into this, right? I think we need everybody rowing in the same direction. We need more people innovating in this space. We need more people bringing nature-based solutions to market. I think all of that 
it's a rising tide lifts all boats in this space. And I think Joanne would agree that that allows her to innovate. And I think more people talking about this, more people out there in the bioremediation space using mycelium root structure to do this sort of stuff and do it in unique ways, right? Creating car seats from mycelium, right? Creating new food that we ate that replaces steaks, right? Those sorts of things, like more people talking about that, the more dialogue around that, more interest around that, I think helps everybody and I think helps the planet. And so that's what I want to see. And I think Joanne would agree that more conversation around this only helps her in a lot of ways too. We've seen this even over the last three to five years, and this is more macro. I think there's more urgency around the challenge that we face. I think companies, individuals, consumers, investors, the capital stack overall, government, you look at the IRA, I think there's a lot more tailwinds that exist in this space overall. That means that the companies that are focused on solutions, wherever you're at, are going to be more successful. And that's a good thing for the world. It's a good thing. I tell people this all the time. I think the companies right now that are being started by people like Joanne that are fighting this fight are going to be the ones that are generating the biggest generational wealth we've ever seen. And I think that has the opportunity to be equitable and just. And I think that's the opportunity that we have. And I think Joanne, she's on that forefront and bringing this to communities and to areas that need it the most as well. And I'd love to see more investment in that. I think in the last couple of months, we've seen a pullback from VCs in terms of investing in climate companies. We can't have that right now. Climate change doesn't care about the market or about the economy. We need more people investing. We need more entrepreneurs. We need more talent in this space. And I think that's going to help everybody. Thanks, Ryan. Joanne, you spoke earlier about how the waste management space should really be called waste mismanagement because of its lack of innovation. And I'm sure there's others that are taking note, and the idea that waste equals food, as William McDonough has put it, is is catching on. So I'm curious, how do you see the space evolving? And what opportunities do you see to improve how we handle waste? We can put some numbers out there in context so people can actually understand what this means. First of all, the sector we're in right now, the construction and demolition waste sector, from materials from the built environment That's 660 million tons every year in the U.S. alone. Just in the U.S., that's twice the amount of municipal solid waste. Municipal solid waste are bottles, packaging, and food waste. So we hear a lot about that, but we don't hear about this other sector. The other thing is to try to quantify what 11 million tons of waste looks like. That's the amount of asphalt shingle we have every year. So that shingles on your house that protect it. 11 million tons generally goes to landfill or incineration. Again, in the U.S. alone, that can fill Yankee Stadium 27 times. So these are high volume materials that have high greenhouse gas emissions. And Ryan hit the nail on the head. Like I'd love to see more technologies develop in this space. I think that there are some large players that are happy with the status quo because as we've run out of space in landfills, particularly in the U.S., they can corner the market and charge more, which means that access to equitable waste management solutions, which has a social and environmental impact, are reduced. I'm speaking specifically to the U.S. market, but globally, there are many markets that don't have structures in place for organized waste management, right? They're emerging nations and they're, they have sanitary needs that are not being met. Mexico is one of them. They've always just burned their waste. Now they're moving through a process to build landfills in a format or structure similar to what we have in the United States. And I would say, well, why do that, right? Why not incorporate newer technologies 
that can process the waste and create value as opposed to just throwing it out because it's easy. We need to preserve our earth, right? I mean, there's more valuable things to do than to create another landfill. I just hope to see more technologies, this waste to X space, be it materials to food. I'm seeing conferences come up around it. I'm seeing technologies come through it. I'm seeing different enzymatic approaches and other nature-inspired approaches to it. And I think the Inflation Reduction Act really wants to promote biotechnology now. They've got special clauses around that, as well as not favoring things like valorization of waste via burning through incineration or through chemical treatment. And so I think it's leaving a lot of companies scrambling and trying to figure out how they fit in the space. And I would say, hey, you've got people that are already here that have already done all the hard work to figure out what that next step looks like. Just reach out, right? Let's scale these things together rather than working against each other. Joanne, what's next for MicroCycle? Within this year, we will have validation on a complete end-to-end solution into a product. So by the end of the third quarter, beginning of fourth quarter of this year, we've already doubled our footprint once. We're looking to double again as, as we move to scale, getting our decentralized, our mic container out into the world, having a big impact. But then I, I really want to continue on this path to educate and make sure everybody understands the enormity of the issue and the potential opportunity, not just from a climate impact, but from an investability or scalability or earning opportunity. And so that leads us then to the the mighty, mighty place we need to be, which is our revenue and have our revenue and get these contracts solidified and our partners into place so we're well positioned for the next round of investment. Thanks, Joanne. Ryan, take us home. I'm going to put you on the spot. You said earlier that you have some mushroom joke. <laughs> okay, fine, Jason. I will do it. <laughs> you ask, I will deliver. So a mushroom walks into a bar, walks up to the bartender and orders a drink. And the bartender looks at the mushroom and says, I'm sorry, sir, but we can't serve you here. And the mushroom looks back at the bartender and says, why not? I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Ryan, Joanne, thank you so much for joining. Really great to have you both on this conversation and best of luck with all that you're doing. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.